You are listening to iRadio TT online all the time. Welcome to Music Matters, the Caribbean edition. The podcast series featuring news, interviews and analysis of all the music from the islands. Welcome ladies and gentlemen to Music Matters. The Caribbean edition. I am Laura Dorich Phillips. And I am Nigel Campbell. And once again, we're talking about the business of music here in the Caribbean. Yes, we are, Nigel. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. We started off our series last week, and here we are once again talking yes. about the business of music. <laughs> right? Yes, we are. New season in effect. New season folks. In effect. Yes. And we Please have guests. Check this us time. out. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, in this. <laughs> We did, we did promise our listeners that this season we are going to be a little more structured. So last episode, it was just you and I with our usual mm-hmm. banter. And right. today we are going to have a guest with us to talk mm-hmm. about the business of music. And this is somebody who's first time guest mm-hmm. to Music Matters, the Caribbean edition. So should I go ahead and introduce him, Nigel? Do, do your thing, Laura. Do your thing. Okay. So <clears throat> most of you may know him as a soca artist who goes by the name of Jaiga. His real name is Taryn Callender, or TC. Yeah. Welcome to Music Matters, TC. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Greetings, everybody. Greetings, greetings. Wonderful. Nice to have you, Jaiga. Wonderful. Laura, talk to us. Jaiga, welcome, mm-hmm. welcome, welcome. It's so good to have you here. And we I are going make, to... I can make things spicy, you know? We have clearance for your music. <laughs> we do the business of music here. <laughs> so we're going to jump right in. Uh, I mean, folks, you can't see us, but Jagger is wearing a, a, a T-shirt uh, with the words, Great is the Art Form. Mm-hmm. And it is his mantra. It is the thing that he is known for. If you follow Jagger, you know that that is his saying, that is his slogan. It is tattooed on his arm. Jagger. What great is the art form? Explain to us what that is and why well, that is important to you. It's personal to me for many different reasons. Um, I, let me say, for me, I, I like to make the, the joke that I was baptized into the art form <laughs> in 1999, 98, 99. Um, when people hear great is the art form, they automatically think soca. Right? Because mm. as you said at the top of the um at the top of the introduction, is that I am known to be a soca artist. But yes. for me, great is the art form could be embodied by anybody at anywhere at any time, depending on where you are, where you sit. If you are young Jamaican listening to us now, great is the art form where you are, it could mean many different things. Right. right. For me, because of what I represent, when they hear the state, the, the slogan great is the art form, they automatically think soca. But I was really seeing it from a place of being proud of where you are mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. times and being proud of your culture and your art. That is where I went. That is that was the real meaning behind Great is the Art Form. It morphed into that because, again, me being on the radio, and I use the slogan most times when Soka is being played. Right. So it automatically took on a life of its own. And for me, I kept that energy only because I was thinking my children. Why? Mm-hmm. Let me elaborate quickly. Is because me growing up, we I grew up in a time where we had a discussion many times, Laura, where Calypso was on the forefront. 
where your 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 parents. I come from a, a, a what we call in 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 all of it is, I consider carnival a pagan festival, but we live in a Catholic state, as you know. But I grew mm. up in a household with a reverend as a a, a a father, the wife of a pastor. So my mom was a housewife. So anything around the arts, it would have been calypso. I knew what a Calypsonian looked like. And growing up, a Calypsonian had an image. You go in town, you will see Kitchener look a particular way. They were well-dressed because they came from that era of a Frank Sinatra, that mm-hmm. whole, it, it was a demeanor to be a Calypsonian and they were the voice of the people. And when Calypso, when Soka morphed into what it was, I started to see in my early teenage years that Soka was looked at as a different, a, a, a sort of Kaiso, but it was old. Hmm. Me growing up, Calypso and Soka was in the same pot. Yes. And it was a old people thing. Yes. So we was on dancehall. We went to hear Buju and, 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 and Capleton and Bounty and thing because that was considered youthful. Hmm. And that is where the energy of Soka star came from. Me trying to bring a youthful energy. And what Greatest the art form has done for me is bring back a youthful energy where soca is concerned. So you hear the youths giving it their own song. Boy, play some art form now, boy, play an art form. Nice. You understand? Nice. Not losing or taking away from what soca is, you know, but it's giving them a sense of ownership. Because one of the biggest mistakes I think our elders did is hold on to it so much and not give. They felt as though it was, and it was something that was said to me, and we were going to that. Um, Calypso was theirs. I remember in the peak of the success of Soka Star, we're talking season three when I was comfortable in sitting in a room and demanding over a million dollars from B-Mobile because at that point they saw the, the, the fruit of the labor. They was like, nah, these people, these fellas onto something. Me and Peter were going to meetings and it wasn't those days the country was all right. It wasn't hard to get a million dollars to do Soka Star because they understood what we were doing and they knew the cost. I went to, I'll call his name plain. I went, we had a meeting with Kroko and mm-hmm. I had an elaborate plan. Those days are young and are sprightly and are fresh <laughs> and I feel I have the biggest mind in the world. And I said, listen, I want to do Kaiser Star as a subsidiary of Soka mm-hmm. Star. Yes. And yeah. I already engaged Derek Chen at Movie Town. And I said, mm-hmm. listen, this is what I want to do. And he was very forthcoming. He was very, very, very willing. And he gave us two rooms. I said, I don't need tombs. I need one. The idea is to have like a matinee. We will do it in such a way. We will do the tents at Movie Town. Mm-hmm. Right? So we'll do a 7 o'clock show and an 11 o'clock show. So exactly. I know we'll produce a Kaiso style show. And I needed Kroko is exactly what Marshall did for Soka Star. At the time, Marshall was the king. Still is, but he was the person. Once he endorsed it, people would be like, yeah, they're onto something. Right, Marshall. So I mm-hmm. felt the same way about Calypso. Once Kroko had come on board... And give it support. All the others would have fallen in line because at that time he's the man with the titles, the energy. He mm-hmm. was the bridge because younger people knew who he was, and mm-hmm. the Kaiso fraternity respected him. So That's I needed true. the support. His response to me was, "I am Calypso, and Calypso is me." So he wasn't willing to give it any gas. So mm-hmm. it never went anyway. And that I held on to that for many, many years. I remember telling him that one day I will see a sing to grass. So, so done, meaning you will get to a place where Kaiso will just be what yeah. happened to you. You'll be in a space where there's only the, the plants you're singing to, no audience. Yeah. And they could never speak to me. And I'm talking from a me, this is me here. I have a 12 year old and an eight year old. And from the time my 12 year old was six at the time, 
she's been to every Dimash girl. Hmm. Every, I take her to the stage, to the Savannah. She sat down, she listens because I believe that is my responsibility. Mm-hmm. At that time, you're a child and you do what your parents do. You understand? Mm-hmm. My responsibility as a parent to expose you into what I think you need to, what you need, what you need exposure. And I, and she's been to many a kind um, extempos. She's seen the brand London, see everybody. She's been in there from a young child until, well, pre-pandemic. You understand? So for me, that is why I really believe when I say great is the art form is really deep for me because I have never worked anyway. Hmm. I've never been employed. So Soka is your job? Yes, because I, from a tender age, I remember being a teenager, young, I just now get licensed, 17. I was privileged and fortunate at the time. I were, used to, was always smart. And you know, he's, he's you know, George. George have a wittiness about him. Those days, I was DJing Radioactive. And we were considered a song system, or for the Jamaican culture, a song system, Radioactive. Everybody knew it was Radioactive, Excalibur, Maximela, Jugglers, and all them things. I was part mm-hmm. of the original Radioactive myself, Hoppy. DJ Dean, who they now call Lord Hype, John Boy. Mm-hmm. That's what we did. And I would have always come to our shows and the things that we're doing. And one day he's like, yo, bro, you have something that I really like, boy. And in them times, she's like, you ever went away? Say, you mean, hmm. you have a passport? <laughs> you mean, say, okay, Randy, you my boy. That's what's his exact, this is the demeanor. And me now, like, wherever. I remember George telling me that. And I, I, up to this day, people ask me, I can't remember how it happened. I knew we had the conversation. It was like a Tuesday. And fast forward 10, 14 days after that, I had a passport with a visa and was on the road. Wow. And wow, I was on the road wow. with George for 13 years. Good wow. Days. What, mm-hmm. what, what I'm hearing is, aside from being uh, sharing with your, ch- your child, your children, I should say, and understanding the, the role of Soka and Calypso, you, you slipped in some words there, Soka star, Kaiso star. That kind of leads me to ask another question. We, I know that you're an entrepreneur. And creating that show, Synergy Soka Star, is probably your baby, if I understand it clearly, right? Peter, Peter, it was Peter C's um, idea and vision mm-hmm. with some of, well, not some of, plenty of, of my um, my go. passion inside there as well. And <laughs> and collectively, it was, it turned out how it turned out. Yeah, but Soka Star clearly was a, a kind of catalyst for creating a new generation of Soka artists. Is that correct? Correct, correct. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. it, it came from, it came from, Peter, Peter's passion for television. Mm-hmm. Remember, he was the if it didn't happen, it's on six That's guy. Right. Yeah. And his 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 talents and and his passion for the arts too. Because you remember, Peter came from the band thing, the singing, mm-hmm. and with me wanting to prove a point. And the point I wanted to prove at that point is where I went to New York JW Records in two thousand and had this mission to prove to everyone that Suka could be rotated 24 hours a day without playing back a song. So I took a job as an intern in his basement, converting record to CD. Mm-hmm. Only to prove my point that Suka could be played 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And that was be- and that was with the stewardship of, of George as he really introduced me and he really put me in that position. And that is where the passion started. So ironically, when I was starting Trini Bashment Radio Station, I had the tools that Peter needed. To make his show a success because mm. I had the content at that mm. time. I had because I was about just looking for music, looking for people who sing, and I didn't care where it was. And those days, the CDs. So at the time, I had a box, and we'd always make joke about it. I had over 1500 untouched songs, wow. 
Wow. Of artists just wow. bringing things to the radio station, trying mm-hmm. to get played. Four, over 1,400. Peter had a television station on an idea. So mm-hmm. I said, listen, this is how we can get married. I have the content. You have the platform. So then we decided that I was originally supposed to be the producer of the show where I will get gather the content. He will use all his things and do his things and get his people or whatever. So I will have the talent that I will bring and give them an opportunity to come on. And I was instrumental in terms of keeping it at a particular age bracket because that was a fight in the early People wanted it open because remember Paul, Paul Richards was the head judge at the time and at those, those days he was the program director in 96 and very popular and very influential and it was a pulling and tugging but I believe that the age was a big, big, big deal. Offer it to young but cut it off. Don't take it too old because Older. we wanted because my idea was trying to make the music palatable to the generation that was lost. Yeah. Because in my time... Nobody cared. We, I am telling you, I live to see in my prime DJing days. Uh, this is the club coconuts days, the bees mm. days. Nobody it's, played soca. <laughs> we wasn't a soca in them. We wasn't a dub. We wasn't a dub. You go to the club long time in Trinidad, it's dance all, it's dub, as you say. It's only bourgeois and thing playing. I fought to get soca mainstream in the dance hall. And the only way you could have done that is a holistic approach. And I will tell you how deep I went. I remember having a conversation with George. At this time, I started to prove myself with my talents in terms of what I could do and my vision. Vehicles. I had this conversation with somebody the other day. I remember telling Iowa, you need to buy a range. It wasn't because of being sure of you or anything like that. And when I had the conversation, I explained to him why it's so important, especially when Marshall was getting his at the same time, because both of them bought theirs around mm. the same time. It was me trying to show them how important it was for their profile to be mm. mirrored by what the youths were seeing at the time. It's what Afrobeat did mm-hmm. with their of music. Course. Afrobeats never changed their song, you know, S-O-U-N-D. Mm-hmm. What they changed was the imagery. Back mm. in the days, the video on them, not now singing, you know, but they were singing in their style. They were doing what they were doing just now, but they weren't looking hip-hop. They weren't looking cool to yeah. the international market. So what they started to realize is, listen, they're on a continent where numbers is not a problem. Millions, they have millions of views. Money's not a problem. We're talking people in Ghana rich like dog. Ghana is a place have money. How we can break through the international global market that we look like them. All of a sudden, them Afrobeat boys started to look cool, started to drive Ferrari, do this, and still sing an African thing. Back, and that was, the, that was the mentality I had to say, listen, if I can get these soca artists who popular to look cooler, because if we remember closely, I remember days when Ban used to wear all of them in the same fubu. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I looking yeah. hungry and stale. Yeah. You know I then took her clothes. I then took her clothes. Exactly. Yeah. I started to tell men, yo, this cannot work. Mm-hmm. The is not into that. Hence why I came with things like if it's in tight, it's in right, and I try to make being on stage cool in terms yeah. of dressing, fashion. Yeah, introduce swag. Swag exactly. into I started to see things like swag is about looking cool and bring a whole different imagery. Well, the, it, the youths gravitate and hold on to it. The entertainment industry is more than song, the song than vision, as you have already proven. It's exactly. how you look, how your song, and how the experience is of watching you on stage. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're the man That's we had to talk to. You're the man to blame. <laughs> the oh, man. Okay. Now, now T, T C describes himself as a facilitator. 
yeah, facility because is because he 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 does a lot of work in the background that that people wouldn't know if they're not in the industry, they would have no idea what sort of things that he does. I mean, and we'll touch on that a little bit, but I just want to go back to synergy so Kester, um, but I just started our conversation. The platforms like that have proven to be so important. That platform has been I mean, in the past. We had things like Team Talent and Twelve and Under. We had Party Time that gave us mm-hmm. a whole lot of you know boost a whole lot of stars, and then we had Synergy Soka Star that gave us this current crop voice and second start all these this generation fun and fun, fun. right this generation of of, of soca artists but these days we, we we have we don't seem to have a platform know people have tried to do to replicate the synergy soca style template yeah, uh, with, without success but do you think it is important for us to have these platforms yeah there's somebody was talking about that on twitter and then somebody said well the youth have tiktok and that is how people discover them. But do you think that is enough for it's, us, it's, or do we need a, a synergy soccer I think it's I think it's, it's needed. And to reference it as TikTok, it's really is out tomorrow. And it's not real. It's not real. You have to understand what synergy soccer did was create a positive energy for the youths to channel the stuff that they do. It was a champion cause. And what I'm saying that is, I remember, and I'm really good at figures. I remember our first St. James Amphitheater. We had 67 people. Hmm. And over the course of three years, I saw the show grow from 67 people at St. James Amphitheater to our biggest number to date was 17,600 and change at hmm. GMP Complex Carnival Tuesday. That is, that is when I was approached by um, Soka Monarch. Oh, God. Um, William Monroe? William Monroe. And people have their, their relationships with him and people have their things to say. But when I met William for the first time, how the conversation went and how, and again, it was facilitated by an introduction by Iowa. That's why I could never, as much as me and George might cuss one another, I will never ever have anything negative to say because he impacted my life heavily. William came to me and I had a grand idea at the time and I told him, and when I went to him, I said, listen, you have a dying brand. Hmm. You call it a dying brand? I said, yeah, at the time he had a dying brand. Okay. I, I I was still fight I was still fight William on the decisions he made with Sukamunak. I had some ideas for Sukamunak. I think would have kept it alive and well to this date. Mm-hmm. That's the next conversation. I said you have a dying brand. I said you spend upwards of two point something million dollars in advertising every year. True or not true? Yeah. To get well, mediocre ten twelve thousand. I said bro, if I show you my advertising budget and I have seventeen thousand solid, mm-hmm. who winning and who losing? Hmm. I say what I asking you for now. I say I want a hundred thousand dollars off of you every year. Plus, I want the winner of my show to get a guaranteed spot in Soka Monarch with a guaranteed spot in Soka Monarch once they win. When I and I say what I'm bringing to you, that we just do the numbers. The winner of my show is automatically you could take ten to fifteen percent of their fan base and I dropping it in your show just to see them on the final night. That alone is covering the hundred thousand dollars that they given me in ticket wow. sales. You're talking right. like a true businessman, and I'm glad I listened to you. This is this is magical conversation for this podcast. Keep talking, sir. I love and this. On top of that, on top of that, the notoriety that is coming with it, the youth factor that is coming with it, and in those days, social media was now peeking out. Mm-hmm. So much things I could have bring to the table. That's why the negotiation was easy. And he's very, he's a forward-thinking individual, and mm, very much it so. did not take. He didn't take ten minutes to say deal, mm-hmm. and he just talked, my young brother. Yes, 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 yes. Immediate. So I'll always give him respect for that because he supported the show from jump from when I went to him and said, listen, this is the plan. And How long did the show last? Eight years. Eight years? Eight seasons, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things is when it was happening, 
I was like, listen, this is what we need. And going back to your point of us distracting, if you watch figures, going back to figures again, in the years of Soka Star, you were so distracted, were so anxious for that time of the year mm-hmm. that all things on the wayside wasn't there. Like we're talking about, if you watch, I'm sure if we get to the six now and see the different age groups and how much of them committing petty crimes and that's on the wayside, mm-hmm. it is way higher than those days because they had something to look at. I was community-based. The idea behind Sokasa was everybody, and remember what people didn't understand, which is what we did. After the success of the second year, by the third year, I took my own cream and I started to go and educate myself about the actual production of television shows. I went to the... the the set of X Factor, I went to the set of Ameri- uh, American Idol to see exactly what's done. Remember, we don't have the, the, the finance, the capital, the technology like these people, but we had to make it work with the little we had. Yeah, and that is how I started to write storylines inside of the show. Like, if you can remember the Umi season when mm-hmm. Umi was the focus with him crying, and I'll give you a little gem too inside of there. Mm-hmm. Umi Makano's song that he won with was actually Chucky Gordon's song. Oh, wow! Oh, wow, you know, we took Chucky off the song. At the time, Chucky felt away, but me and his dad, his dad was my music teacher. His brother was my comrade, that is John Boy. And we had a, a family conversation to make him understand at the time, Chucky didn't fit the mold of what I was looking to build with the show. I do, and by that time, I felt as though I was Rancy Chris. I wow. the best producer in television in Trinidad and Tobago. I bad. Wow. So I showing you what I looking for. It was an entertainment show. Remember, Soka Star really and truly was a talent search. But it you was. had to do it in a way to, to encourage and engage the public. I have mm-hmm. to entertain you. Umi had entertainment value. Chucky yes. didn't. And that was fact. But Chucky had talent and he had his time and his time would have come. Me telling him that in the moment, like any other human reaction, it would have been hard for you to swallow that pill in the moment. But look at it now. Two yeah. titles after. Two titles and um, call up someone yeah. Come on, bro. <laughs> yeah. so, so, I ne- so I never I never blow no horn and say I am responsible for your titles. But what I did was actually guide you to understand your two strengths. And that and is that. where you as a facilitator comes into play. Um, so tell us a little bit about about some of the things you do behind the scenes. You're a songwriter. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, you make things happen. You more you help mobilize industry, you provide I- guidance to, to, to artists. Plenty. One of the things, one of the things, again, it all stems from being a DJ first. And and in the time when I was DJing heavy, the writing and stuff came easier because you're exposed. It's exactly what's happening with Ding Dong right now. Mm-hmm. What's happening? We had that conversation, Laura. Ding Dong is in a space of he got to tour extensively with Garland. So it places you in a vibe pocket, I call it. When you're in that vibe pocket, it's quite easy to be in a pulse and to be in the right pulse. And for me at the time, being on the road so much at Iowa, I had the pulse and also had, it was cheating. Every major producer I was cool with. And I will tell you because I'm talking about the Shell Shocks and the Daryl Braxton's where people might not want to give them their flowers. I give them a flower. Daryl Braxton and Shell Shock are two individuals who single-handedly created the song that we love now. The Bungees and all of them is they are the men who are responsible for that. Mm-hmm. And at the time, because of one age, I was a youth man around them who fresh and always wanted to be up in the mix. I had access. And I didn't have access just for access sake. I had access in a place of I, my first ever song. I remember doing Soka Sadi first year. Paul Richard said something to me that I kept with me forever. He said, okay, bro. You end up a big host and a big show. They have a big TV show. Now, now what? 
So you mean him, now you have a responsibility what you're going to do next. And his words to me was, them days a super jigger. He said, Mr. Super Jigger, Fireball win this thing. You running around the place as this big know-it-all. If Fireball doesn't have a hit song, after season one of Superstar, your show is going to flop. That was his exact words. Hmm. And then, that's when the bell ting off. Chasu at the time was the ace producer. Mm-hmm. Every producer goes through their phases yeah, when yeah. Yeah. top man. Chasu was the top man. I remember Chasu putting out a rhythm with first class for people who forget first class was a dance and used mm-hmm. to trancing in the early little bits. H2 flow was mm-hmm. a big rhythm. And he had this medley video on Synergy. And I remember me calling Chasu and saying, bro, I need to get a rhythm. I want to put fireball on it. And Chasu watched me and laugh in my face. Saying, what? All this soccer star jokey people know, brother. Not my thing. They had no respect. That's bad. <laughs> and that, no, but this is where, this is when, this was my first baptism into fire being in a position of a little bit of power. I remember telling him, bro, if you don't give me a rhythm, that video coming off the TV. Wow. Oh, He's wow. Cute. I called Peter. I said, Peter, you're going on. We're in a position right now where we have to think about what's best for the show, what's best for Synergy. And I am telling you, because only because I understood the song, the S-O-U-N-D, and the vibe of the thing. Chasu had it. And he wasn't listening to what I was saying by regular means. So I had to strong arm it. Strong arm it. it wasn't really going to... I had to say, listen, this is what's going to happen. I remember Peter calling him and say, bro, having problems with my team. The saying that how we had to pull you off because you're not cooperating. I'll never forget, watch me, it was one of them very difficult conversations. And Peter didn't want to do it at all, but I had to let him understand why it needed to be done. And that was, I was just looking for the chance. I remember Chasu calling me back and say, I seen what they're doing here, but hear what? I gave you one chance. Bring your artist. And if, listen to what I'm telling you, if, if you tune in good, I ain't putting it out, I just letting you know. I said, no problem. All I want is the chance. And I kid you guys not, I picked up Fireball at Royal Castle Independence Square. I love to give this story. Those days I was driving a Ford truck. I picked him up. When I picked him up, we put in the, them time the CD, the instrumental in the car. And I'm a big fan of R&B. Big, big fan. On my off days, this is how I, this is my, my, my meditation, my healing, my medicine, my vibe is listening to some nice R&B. I was listening to Just In Case, I Don't Make mm-hmm. It Home Tonight, mm-hmm. Wanna Make Love For You For The That's the song I was listening to when I was picking up Fireball. We put in the rhythm and we sat in the car. And off of that energy and that vibe is where I get the hook. This girl of mine, she's always teasing me and she mm-hmm. looks so fine. That, that song was written from Independence Square, Royal Castle, to Bombay Street, St. James. By the time he got to Bombay Street to voice his song, we had the first verse, hook, pre-chorus, post, when we walk upstairs. Wow. And Fireball. <laughs> and that let me tell you, done. Oh, let me tell you how oh, God is great. H2O Flow was there at the studio. Fridge to be exact. Fireball mm. went and put on the vocal. I kid you guys not. The vocal mm-hmm. that that song ended up with is the only vocal that he ever put on. One take and done. 
one take. And that is the Central same song you feel. Do, do, do your research. Was mm. signed to Bob Sinclair. Yes. And was number five in France. Mm-hmm. The same mm-hmm. song. The same yes. rhythm that Chasu cost me for and didn't want to give me. <laughs> put the most money in his pocket to date. Yeah. Wow. Off of one song. You understand what uh, I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. and right there and then is when I was like, on it and but you know the cockiness come out kill me now i feel like it's kanye west so by year three i signed it to them and i remember blacks and me having a falling out when blacks say you have to be mad who for you have the authority to talk about so you know blacks is gone yeah, and blacks yeah. wasn't having it because me and him had a falling when i was trying to explain to him that their style is what killing the business. Cause remember we used to use them as the back in band. Yes. Mm-hmm. So cause sign the earlies. And I was trying to explain to blacks that listen, you have to loosen your arm. Understand that you have to give the young people some breathing space because they were trying to keep the thing too regimental. You go to juice on them with the idea the youths and them have, they don't want that. They want to play this thing to chord and play to this. I say, no, you have to loosen your arm a little bit and you have to give them some space to breathe. And his mm. argument was, I am not musically inclined. And I said, you are correct. You have never seen me go on a platform and tell somebody your pitches off. You're singing mm. out a key. That is not my place. That is why Carol Jacob was there. That mm. is why Beaver Henderson was there. Paul Richard's job was to make it palatable to the public because he's a program director on an urban station prior to that for the past 15 years. So he understood what the market wanted. And my purpose there was meshing all of that together and creating a show for the, the, the demographic I was creating it for. I say I never go on a platform and tell nobody that who could sing better than who that was in my place. And I needed them to understand that I'm creating a tell. He's what he wanted to know what fashion had to do with the thing. I say fashion. Same thing we talk about fashion had plenty to do with the thing. And Paul Richards is saying, who said this? Who asked Black. that question? Blacks? Blacks. I remember Black. that. I was saying some many moons ago we had a falling out around. That was around season oh, three. And I, rem- and I remember quarreling and saying... <laughs> The reason, so, and that's when the talk started with, A, who gives you the right to say this or say that? Mm-hmm. And I felt as though, bro, I have to prove them wrong. That is why I ended up singing. So, that's now. So, let me ask you, TC, with all that you do and the knowledge and the insight, because you seem to sound like somebody who have a lot of insight and could, could spot trends and understand how the industry, how industry music and music works, how the music industry works, and you're trying to apply what you've seen work to hear. Why haven't you, why you don't have your own agency or, or why you not, you know, an e or doing that kind of, because to me, that's something I went where we don't really have an industry, but to me, that's something that we miss. That's the thing, that having, having that, because, because you don't have an industry. Like I always say, no, like on, somebody I, I, I heard both of us I hear about all this in this, because I am one of those persons who say we do have an industry. It's not as large as a Miami or Atlanta, or certainly not an American or Korean music industry, but we do have an industry. We do trade and business and sell what you are dis- discussing there with your television program, the fact that you're a songwriter, the fact that you're innovating in music. It's part of the makeup of an industry. I This is just Nigel Campbell's con- um, uh, argument. The industry mm-hmm. that we have is not the same as the Afrobeats industry or the London industry. But we do have an industry. It's not where it's supposed to be. And I maybe I maybe that. maybe I it's, that. it's that it's not structured and it doesn't have the yeah. elements, all of the elements in place to make it viable. 
we don't have a functional industry. Perfect example, we have yeah, a, a Panchenbego executive who doesn't want to have an election. Well, you, you're, you're calling the worst examples of No, 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 but you know, say we have an industry, so I'm just trying to point out to you why yeah. I say we don't have a functional industry. Yeah. Well, yeah, Panchenbego right yeah. is more than an outlier. They're just an excuse for bad behavior. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah, okay, no yeah, problem. So, mm, so, so I had to prove something and one of the reasons, when, that's the reason why I ended up singing. Like I tell everybody, I came into this business as Super Jigger TC, as I was telling Laura, a facilitator of the art form. I don't look at myself, yes, but I was standing anywhere in the world and say I'm a super artist because that's how I'm recognized. Yeah. But really and truly, in terms of branding, in terms of notoriety, I didn't get it from singing. It didn't come from singing. Nobody didn't meet me as a singer. Mm-hmm. I was a guy who had an opportunity to do a show, a soca bay show, to find talent, and while doing that, discover that, listen, there are other things I could do. And I was doing, I was forced into singing because I was told, why am I here? What is my place? And to prove a point again, just as how I did back in 2000 at JW Records, to prove that Soka could play 24 hours, I said, all right, let me do all the And because of relationships, at the time I called Peter Coppin, who is Monsterpiece out of Barbados, which is a good DJ friend of mine. He had a very huge rhythm that year called the Coconut Tree. If you remember tunes like, Yeah, white pants tight. Mm-hmm. And wang, wang, mm-hmm. wang, which I did for George. I did wang, 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 wang. You like it. I had a song on a rhythm called Make Your Bumper Turn on Your Front Line. Mm-hmm. As the first time, I picked up a pen and I recorded that song. I will mention him here because people need to know by Sheriff, who is the guy responsible for Bungie yeah. Garland's hits. Yes. Yeah, yes. That was actually Sheriff's first recording. The first mm-hmm. vocals he ever took was mine of that song. Wow. We interviewed Sheriff a couple of years ago, if I remember. Yes, we yeah. did, actually. We did. Yeah, yeah. We did. yeah. Too long after the after you had anything that... Um, was Private it? Ryan. Yeah, Private, Private Ryan, Ryan. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Understand? So, again, so that's it. So, and yet still, they didn't take me on. It's like, wherever is a floops. When I felt as though was the icing on the cake mm-hmm. was season four i sang the jingle for soca star hear what i'm telling you the jingle the song had no chorus it had a it had no verse sorry it had a hook mm-hmm. it was tc your name calling watch how your pants are squeezing you have everybody <laughs> waving tc it was the jingle for to advertise soca star season four coming mm-hmm. I remember and that. it was so humongous at the time I never even submitted anywhere and I was my name came up as if in a as a finalist in Soka Monarch. See, see, watch me. Yeah. Your pants was real tight in them days too, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a but finalist yeah. in Soka Monarch without a verse. Yeah. Oh. The only time that song had a verse was the night of the finals. I sang a verse live. Wow. The song had a verse. Wow. And that was me trying to prove I understood what the business of Soka is at the time. I knew the song that the people wanted. I knew the energy and the vibe that the people wanted. So I went to the right people. Who did I go by? Thousand Steps, a.k.a. Who is called Thousand Steps? Um, I forget the man, government name, you know? Neil Bernard. Neil Bernard. Yeah, Neil Bernard, at time, yes. Mm. At the time, Neil Bernard was doing all the show in Manchester's and all the big songs. So mm. who did I go by? Again, because I had my hand on the pulse of what is trendy. So I look in the door a jingle. I went by Neil. I said, Neil, he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to do a jingle for the show. I went with my own vibe, everything. We do the vibe, and he produced an amazing jingle. The jingle made it to a Soka Monarch final. 
I used to tell so her, so come on, I feel so eclectic myself. I drink little bit, so come on, I find out. No, right? because of vibe. Yeah, I remember, Suka, Suka on a whole is an energy, you know. People just treat yeah. it as though, you can say what you want. Suka music was created to put smiles on your face. It was never dark music. It don't play in dark chords. If you listen to Suka music, chords is never dark. It's not mm. dark. It's a happy chord. That's why, family, had transcend or transcend. It's a happy chord. It's, it plays on a happy frequency. Yeah. When you see Marshall spazzing and talking all his madness to some people, he understands it fully. It's a happy music. Mm-hmm. So the world really, because the world is not a happy place. No. So that is why they're so confused. Like, why but but, but you know, but you know, that is what some of the criticisms people have of soca. And I've heard soca artists, especially younger soca artists, complain about the happiness of, of soca because they, they listen, you know, they grew up in an age where there's so much mood music around, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they want to replicate that. And, you know, you're looking at there's a, like a whole new generation of artists in trend, not soca artists, but a new generation of artists in trend, like Annalie Prime and Willie Wolf and all these people who talk a lot about mental health and depression and a lot of those feelings are in their music. And, and so there are soca artists who want to be able to emote like that in soca, but feel like, they, they, you know, I've seen people question, why can't I sing sad, sadness in soca? Why does everything always have to be happy? I've seen those comments. I, I would tell you why. It's because the essence of what it is and the, 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 the proof is in the pudding. For instance, anytime you go to the authentic sound of soca, we're talking about from the kick jump to the snare, Hence, like, like backyard jam rhythm, it always mm-hmm. connects because that is the essence of what the music is. I'm not saying you can't sing dark, mm. but the reason why the dark ones don't seep through and get and get big is because that is not the essence of the music. You're playing with the song too much. As I was saying, it's happy music, and I get that the younger generation want to express themselves, which is all fair. But I think there's, like, for instance, there are some artists that are figuring it out, mm. and I will call names people like Michael Tasia. Jimmy October, mm-hmm. they understand because they have already tapped into self. You see, this is 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 not just wanting to be trendy. It's not just about wanting to be. It's about knowing self. Mm-hmm. You have to know self, and real artists understand that. When you understand that, every day, the other part of the journey is easy, you know. Mm-hmm. You understand, and that, I think those are the younger ones that tap into it. And also, you have to kind of sometimes, as a young artist, to separate yourself from yourself mm-hmm. if you're really looking to bus. <laughs> yeah, separate yeah. yourself from yourself if you're looking to bus. Like I, I call names frequently because I don't ever like people to think that I speak about them ill behind the back. Cause everything I see anywhere in public, I could tell them to the face. Like mm-hmm. I love Ufan Alz to death, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Ufan is at a point now where he's passionate. But you also have to give room for your song to grow because you can start a song the same if you don't allow different things to come into your space. New producers, maybe writers, different things like that. You understand? And you then could shift your vibes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I always tell everybody, me, I have never ran down a song. Like to say, oh God, I had a guy too, but I want to be part of it. Because mm-hmm. for me, it's never about that. I make mm-hmm. a statement that not everybody agree with. I always believe that money is a byproduct of success. Yeah, fair. That's fair. Correct. Yeah, Meaning, correct. if you they sell pie mm-hmm. and you sell 100 pies every week, but every time you sell pies, somebody who buys only 100 takes it to somebody else and offers them and they like, it's, it's undeniable that your pie is amazing. Eventually, too many people, the, the supply will be not enough for the demand. Mm-hmm. And with more demand means you will have to acquire more things and get more things. So automatically, the money is going to improve. 
I look at the business of soca, the business of music, the same way. If you're creating good content, you're going to get to the point where, I'll use him as an example, you'll get to the Marshall Montana point because everybody sees the Marshall now, but they don't see the sleeping in the Jean-Pierre complex. They don't see the unpaid performances. They don't see the struggles before it. Yeah, the number of failures before the success. Exactly. What they see now is that he charging a bag of cream. Oh, I'm on here again, Marshall. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, he getting a Marshall because I remember a time when the whole business was up here. Mm-hmm. KMC, I everybody was like, rag, 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 na, 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 everybody mm-hmm. here. And Marshall was downstairs. I just wanna dance with mm-hmm. you. And them kind of songs. He built an entire repertoire downstairs. Mm-hmm. While doing that, built a fan base. I always mm-hmm. tell people, Marshall is the only soccer artist with the exclusion of Kess No. No. Kess of No. Correct. That has a fan base because he took time to create that you don't want to control that stadium for everybody outside of filling the stadium you're talking about this is a guy who also filled woodford cafe for a long time too they yeah. go to the stadium just so That's and happen, you see people now come in and this is a problem that everybody makes a mistake that everybody makes you want to do what you see somebody is doing not understanding how to do it you know, this reminds me, Nigel, when we spoke to, we had Simon Batiste on our podcast and Simon made a point about the industry being a hustle for some. Okay. For many, it's a hustle because people are not willing to do the work. For, mm-hmm. People are not playing the long game. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to reap They want the thing now. Now. Right. <laughs> you know? But I think, I think globally, there's this idea that the whole music industry is like a grand hustle where a lot of times relationships are more important than talent, Right. But what, what Jagger is saying is it's, it's true. Quality matters. And I always yes. tell people, humans have this ability. We know good when we hear good. And we actually gravitate towards good. There's popular and then there's good. But good mm-hmm. is what separates us from everybody else. And if you're right. consistently good, you will have fans and forever. And as you rightly said, Marshall is good. That's the reason he has built a, a fan base. Aside from being in the business like 30, 40 years, I can't remember, can't remember the number. 30, yeah. Yeah. So that, um, and he's built a fan base, but out of, of a quality product. And this is, I think, is a critical thing. But as we're talking about quality products and the whole notion of what Soka is, and trust me, I like what I'm hearing from you, Jaika. We have never spoken before, but this is, this is the kind of conversation that we, we need to be hearing widely, as it was. We've always asked this question before we had our thing called the Soka session over our previous seasons. What do you think is necessary to make Soka a global phenomenon, the way that in terms of numbers and reach, the way that reggaeton and dancehall has numbers in the hundreds and millions and even possibly billions. As this as, might sound cliche, but as ahead. I tell everybody, one of our biggest problems is that we don't care. When you say we, that's the audience or the artist? Artist first, before audience. Let me tell you this. Mm. I will say, and I'll give it a big number, I will say at least, at least upwards of 72 to 75% of the artists care about getting paid, but don't care about the art form. Mm. It's mm. about wanting a song to be popular to get money. Mm-hmm. As opposed mm-hmm. to wanting to create something of longevity, thinking about what your tombstone is going to be saying when you're gone. Mm-hmm. Shall you care about the music, bro? Yes. I'm a stranger, said a pretty girl. I came down here for the carnival. So, can music have me in a trance? Want to play mass? Mm-hmm. Show me how to dance. Find a rag, put it in your pocket. He cared. Mm-hmm. The generation of now and some of the older generations, they don't care about the music, they care about getting paid. And when that mindset starts to shift, and as I say, a lot of unlearning has to go on. 
which is what I think was my purpose. My purpose was to try and have that conversation for people to unlearn. Hence why the gate was opened a little bit for the pretties and the second stars and the voice and all of them to come in and do what they had to do and try and create a different energy. So they could now come and it could have Second Sunday, it could have Vibes at Voice, it could have all of those things. They too making mistakes, don't get me wrong, because they're coming in with a mentality as though, okay, Marshall have a Marshall Monday, I want to get one too, I want a Second mm-hmm. Sunday. Mm-hmm. Understanding Marshall Monday didn't happen until 20 years after his career was boosted and bolted, my friend. Mm-hmm. And he had, mm-hmm. had, had failures at the beginning. And he had 20 years of content to create Monday. Mm-hmm. 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 And he built, he built. I remember because we talked about this before. I sat yeah. in the first, the first four years of alternative concepts, which predated mm-hmm. Marshall Monday. And mm-hmm. I remember it, 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 it was no big crowd. I remember being eight months pregnant, sitting down almost in front of the stage in alternative concept mm-hmm. and taking in the show. Marshall <laughs> built it, it built it from it nothing built, it built to it something exactly. Yeah. So, and again, me understanding the assignment and understanding that you have to work with and work alongside and listen for me the biggest part of anything and i i can get a little deep too because i have been on a different journey as well but is listening i listen to what these youth men and them have to say mm. like actually listen i don't listen to hear like actually listen you have to give them their breathing space and inside of that hope that you can counsel and guide them along the way for them to see the error of their ways. But you have to let them go through it. Sometimes you have to go through it to get through it. Mm. So they have to go through what they're going through mm-hmm. and face it in order to get to where they need to go. But still stay there to let them know that you cannot lose the essence of what it is you're doing. Remember this thing, like I honestly believe carnival, I tell people, is a pagan festival, you know, bro. It's a living, breathing thing, you know. Mm. This is why it have Ash Wednesday. There are little things around the business that people don't understand. Like, I say these things loud on every platform, and I, it's not a secret. Like, for instance, talking about, let me use it for example, Destra. Destra mm-hmm. struggled many, many moons and can't understand what is her position in Trinidad, why it's treated, why it's that way. And this is mm-hmm. somebody who is talented out of her mind. Jagger, don't start, man. That's my girl. Oh, my Run. God. Who run, who run the world of soccer for many moons, but had an issue in understanding the room. Why I say that? Going back to what I said earlier about being a pagan festival, we are a very colonial society, and you have to understand the mindset of where you live and how it functions. We are still in the place of, in the eyes of society and the so-called picket fence living, picket fence minded individuals. Destra went against the grade by how she lived her personal life. And mm-hmm. that in itself affected her professional life. Wow. You hear what I'm telling you? I hear in you, the bro. eyes of the people looking on, yeah, we like her, you know. But look what she went and do. Da, 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 da. You remember, we live in a space where we were thought, we were taught, sorry, that you have to live your life a particular way. But let, 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 let's be honest. We are hypocrites because half yeah, the no, people ju- because half the people judging them living the same life or worse. Yeah, but understand this, Laura. <laughs> is understanding the assignment, understanding yeah. the space, reading yeah. the room. So yeah. you, you so I'm saying in a case Playing of Destra, Destra never allowed herself to be so self-aware that okay, if that's the play and adjusted what she was doing and adjusted her mindset 
to catch mm-hmm. up because mm-hmm. she never needed here. Mm-hmm. That's true. But That's quite at true. The, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, human nature compelled her to want that gratification at the place that you're born. Mm-hmm. You want that notary. You want that. Listen, you see that validation of here? It's very important. It's for important. People. It's important. It's very important. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So those, these are the little things. So going back to the original question of what do we need after we start caring, then things will change. Because if we care, it's like this. Like I told a guy, a guy stopped me random on the road this morning, a gospel artist, and, and I stood with him for like about 20 minutes and listened to about five songs. Mm. And the first thing I tell him, I say, bro, the first song I listen, I say, I was reading this when he was singing it. Yeah, how you know that? I say, bro, you have to pay attention. I can hear it in your vocal that you were reading. Wow. As an artist, right? When you care, the people who are listening to you will care with you. Connection. Yeah, there's an emotional connection. Oper- exactly. When that the artists operate right? or they've been operating with us here, mm-hmm. there's no mm-hmm. connection. Mm-hmm. People not going to care because you don't care. They know you're just trying to make a dollar. Mm-hmm. And listen, and half of the time, most of them... I'm talking about a little human interaction. They call them only calling Laura in February or January. Mm-hmm. That is when they're calling Laura because they want a story in loop. That's Let right. us be real. They want That's a story right. in loop. They it's want Laura to be on the side. Mm-hmm. They want Laura to be on the side. It's not about that in this business. Like I always said, I never subscribe to that. You know what I am? I'm the biggest cheerleader of Suka. Give mm-hmm. me two pom pom every year and I weave in for the art form. Great as the art form. Singing. Exactly. I don't care who's singing, bro. Mm, yeah. I am waving for the art form is never I've never put self before the before the art ever. Mm. I live by one mantra. I will weave there. You could papi show me a little but you know no tune it. Yeah, but it have tunes. Once mm. they are soaker playing brother, I alive. Jiga will always be Jiga once it's time music. Jiga and, and I asked this yesterday, right? I mean, you're the biggest cheerleader, great is the art form. But look how long you're doing this. Um, do you see things changing? Do you see people caring? You, you, you think things going to change? Listen, what what keeps it, you hopeful? What keeps you cheering? There's pockets of hope. Let me tell you where the pockets of hope come from. One of the things that Marshall said it a couple of years ago and they tried to chastise him and I think I'm yeah. the only person who understood where he was coming from. Trinidad need to let go and mm-hmm. understand that Soka is not us. Soka is bigger than us, yeah. We agreed with yes. him when we, he said that. We, we agreed are, with him. Our second podcast way back in 2018, we said Soka is a career music. Mm-hmm. It's no longer only producers from Barbados said Lucia everywhere else. I something I seen for the past five years, Nigel Trinidad yeah. has not produced a song in five years. Right every right. hit song, every hit soak, a song that a Trinidadian sing mm-hmm. is on a foreign rhythm. Foreign, exactly. Let us be real. It's oh, a foreign producer. Mm-hmm. We need to move away from this notion of small island soca. The hell mm-hmm. give all the right soca, brother. Come yeah. like hip hop is based was started in New York City as the all the arguments ago a Jamaican started hip hop. But there's yeah. East Coast rap, there's West Coast mm-hmm. rap, but it's still hip hop, bro. Yep. You feel I just tell I don't I hate I do not subscribe to oh Adamo is a small island artist. You're mad Adamo is a soca artist that have bigger tunes than men who from and, Trinidad. And where's that small island? All of these island, oh god. But again, we have this ownership and I, it goes back to what I was saying about being in this colonial mindset. We were beating our head with a stick to feel as though this is ours. And by nature, mm-hmm. by nature, Trinbegonians are cliquish and clannish people. Mm-hmm. You see it in communities. Point people are very clannish. Yes. Tobagonians are very clannish. Oh, yes. 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 Watch the energy out Tobago just give you a different energy. Mm-hmm. So, 
to that now is modified and 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 quadruple when you look at trinidad and a whole trinidad holds on to this as though it belongs to them mm. yo the creator of it is mean that it is not that's not ownership yeah creating is not ownership you understand so we Dan- dancehall artists are learning that or reggae artists generally are learning that because some of the biggest reggae is not even happening in jamaica it's happening outside. Yeah, there was a guy in Argentina have probably one of the biggest reggae songs and things an Argentinian right. reggae artist. Huge, but huge numbers. Out, you know, saying something, right? Reggae artists because they hold up. I remember having an, a situation with me as in Chicago when Marshall was producing um, Grab Somebody Sexy. Tell him what his name again. Um, Mr. Worldwide? Mr. Worldwide. Remember Marshall produced this um, concept. What's his name? Cuban. Um, born Mr. True Five. Yeah, Mr. True Five. Yeah, but... And, <laughs> Pitbull, remember he had a concert called the Carnival that Marshall yeah. produced. Marshall, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I remember I was in Chicago, not even on Soka business, doing something totally different. That's in the days when I was scouting and going around trying to learn different traits and doing things. And I listened to a radio interview that was really sad for me in the moment, where they spoke to Marshall about his involvement in the concert, and he spoke about himself, which is fair. But Vibes Cattle was on the show. And Vibes Cattle came on the interview after. And the first thing out of Vibes Cattle mode, they say, hello, Vibes Cattle. Happy to be in Chicago. Hear me, yeah, man. Dan Sol is in Chicago. Hmm. The opening hmm. line alone says it all. Hmm. He was there for Dan Sol. And you said something just now, Nigel. Reggae? Hmm. You see Coffee? Coffee could sing for the next 45 years. Yes. Because she's singing reggae. Hmm. Beres Hammond is the Lionel Richie of reggae. Marshall Montano, by all rights, should be the Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Not trying to put age on him, not trying to call him old, but mm. understanding that Lionel Richie has a body of work where he don't need to do anything other than present that body of work. Oh, Marshall yeah. Montano doesn't need to do anything other than present the body of work. But mm. at the time, and I don't, I don't blame him, because he, was, he, he really got the business in a place where he too was trying to figure it out. So when he discovered... Working harder than them, outworking them, outrecording them was the way to go. That's what he did. But at the same time, it crippled the business. Because what he did was eliminate artists. Because when they started this trend of, I am a band and I sing in my tune, plenty of people suffered. Yeah. But they weren't thinking, about, they weren't forward thinking into understanding what they were doing at the time because they were operating in a space of self. Mm-hmm. If you operate in a space of culture, you will make a move like that. And that is the difference I'm trying when I get the opportunity to talk, to, to try and fix, that's why you see the second Sundays have everybody. The voice shows have everybody. Continue keeping that energy and giving platforms that everybody can move forward because the more it have, the greater. Because let me tell you this, you have said to this day, the culture of dancehall is you hire one Jamaican artist to come train that you bring in for. You bring in mm-hmm. a whole Bangladesh and come in. Yeah. But, but is it... But is it on that international on that international platform? Are we ashamed to, to claim soca because we figure it's not big enough? Because when Kess was on the Breakfast Club and they asked him, DJ, and he said, So you you're a soca artist. And he said, Yeah, well, I sing, yeah, he kind of back He said, Yeah, I sing soca, but I also sing reggae and dance and, and, rock and, all kind and, of and when I spoke to you, when I spoke to you, Laura, I said I gave Kess one pass. Mm-hmm. And I gave Kess a, a mental pass. Why I gave him a mental pass in that interview? Because I then put myself in his position and I employed empathy in that situation. Why? Kess got an opportunity to be on a very big platform, spur the moment, and he's now trying to figure out in the moment, should I be self-serving? Should I be a statesman? 
Mm. You understand? What should I advocate for? So he tried to be, which is a, which is a detriment to a lot of us, especially men. He tried to serve too many masters in that interview. Mm. And he could never do that. You have to stick to one and just deal with it. It would have been better if he had to serve himself. We'd rather they come out calling yourself serving, but you dealt about you. Because remember, he had no agenda. It's not like he has an album yeah. coming out. Yeah, yeah. Concert. It was the perfect opportunity yes, to try and highlight Trinidad in a nice light and to highlight Soka. But he mm-hmm. also thinking, yo, this opportunity for me to talk about for me. I want people to search me. So he yeah. was trapped in a rock and a hard place. So just for that instance alone, I will give him a hard pass on that one. And yeah. not hold him to it and be like, but nah, he did you're right, because he did a bit of everything. He promoted himself, he's promoted Trinidad, he promoted Carnival, he, mm-hmm, he promoted mm-hmm, his new project coming out. He, he did a bit of everything. So everything. He had yeah. too many masters to serve, but Laura is right. The initial thing, it should have you should come out the gate fighting. Yeah, Soka boy. And in that moment, you bring to them the happy energy. Mm-hmm. You understand? This is a man whose vocals is impeccable. In that moment, mm-hmm. I would have started singing Savannah Grass. Right there. Yep. Yeah. Right there. Right there. Yeah. When they say so, you're so artist, I say yes. And we just bring the spirit of love and happiness and start to sing. And start to sing immediately and clap. In that moment, it's just bringing and selling of self. And we're doing that. You would have sell self. You would have sell country. You would have sell everything with that one 45 seconds of a, a pre chorus. That's just me. But, but you know what's funny? You know what's funny? Alison Hines sold itself and was wrongly criticized by her countrymen <laughs> because she went too, went too hard into selling self mm-hmm. when she was on the breakfast club. <laughs> exactly. And, who, and, and, who's, and she had more time to prepare. Mm-hmm. You understand? And coming off of a space where, remember, but that's a whole different argument I we not getting to. But this is somebody who, that's a whole next conversation. But yeah, she went about it at totally wrong but that's that so going back to what i think we should do on a platform level is that on a global level is Mm -hmm. we need really and it starts from self if every individual takes stock of where we are and the pandemic as bad as it was it Mm -hmm. had its good where it reset everything Mm -hmm. if after this two years you cannot find it within yourself to operate in a different mindset this in for you yeah here we send time one of the things that you said earlier was uh, when you were DJing in by J, converting J, um, CDs, vinyl to CDs at JW or, or CDs to digital. Like I don't vinyl, know yeah, vinyl, vinyl, vinyl to, to CDs. CD. Yeah. Vinyl to CD. yeah. You, 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 you said about 1,500 songs because you, you, you were able to program 24 hours of soca without a repeat, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And my question has always been that Trinidad needs to put out a lot more content, right? Because I don't think we have enough content. This is my feeling. However, we have X number of radio stations and they have only X amount of hours to play that music. But mm-hmm. the other thing is, I don't necessarily know if radio stations are willing to play bad music, because you also did say that a lot of artists, they only need for the hustle. And you and yeah, I, you can, can, can. And I would not all need... know that there are a lot of music that just go out there that God alone knows why they play. You have to, at, at the, in everything you do, you have to have a standard, you have to set a bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a lot of great music as well. And the thing about it is that I will continue to say, the, especially the young generation of DJs, they are lazy, mm-hmm. because they too operate in a space of, for them, they want to play what they feel popular to get a jump or hand in the air. Mm-hmm. None of them take time to really sharpen their craft. I come from the days when you had to go by Cleave Record Shop and go through records and sit down mm-hmm. and you had to spend your money and get it. Now they're getting yeah. it for free. Yeah. And I I had I was in a session, a live session the other day, and I was telling some young DJs, bro, none of all the all the good conscience and mind. Are they charging people money to play in party? Do you ever think about taking all their money and go to different islands and listen mm-hmm. to the music and spread your wings a little bit? That is how you enhance your craft. That is how you mm-hmm. get better at what it is you doing. And my thing is, you say they do have content. There is content, you know, but there are people that's not willing to look. 
well, you know, willing to look Yeah, I'm that. sure there is content, but do we have enough good content yeah, man. to... I think <laughs> there's enough great content. There's enough mm. great content. But again, the, the, the gatekeepers of the business, we're talking programmers, DJs, mm. they're lazy. They don't want mm. to put in the effort because they just want it to come to them. They don't mind every year getting 10 songs on the show stage you know, because they know what to do. At the end of the day, they don't care. Let me yeah. just play these 10 songs quick. Let me charge people for ads. Let me see if I can get some party free and look like I is a star. And I good. Yeah. That is the thing. As you talk about that, and of course now radio could be on online. You ever thought of opening your own radio station? I mean, you've, you've done a successful television program. Um, And yeah, radio I, I, may be dead, but I mean, online radio certainly is happening on streaming. What about radio, that? Radio, radio, definitely. It's, 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 it's a brand that unless you understand your space, so you have like a, a, a a built platform for a long time and it's kind of dying. But um, I think that the direction to go is what you're doing here. This style of broadcasting is where the future is. Hence why it have things like Spaces and Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. You have to think about moving the trends. You understand? Mm -hmm. I think the trend of this, it'll be this what we're doing, Mm -hmm. the discussion of it with music following. You understand? Get to the point where you can have your clearances, your license clearances and things where we could do shows like these and actually have music being played and great conversation as Laura and myself talk about um, them boys and them drinking and all of these types of champs, yeah. Drink champs, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. This podcast, this is where the world is going. It's going to that direction. It's about, and that is where my head is at. I don't think a radio station is what I will look to do. I will love to have a podcast at that level where it is free and it could have great conversation, conversations that could actually fix something. These kind mm-hmm. of conversations could fix something because mm-hmm. the right person could listen, the right person could tap in and they could learn something from this and move forward because I always come from a place of whatever you do, regardless if it's in a funny way, it's joking or whatever, I do morning radio, but I always try to make sure I leave the audience after my three hours with something fresh, something mm-hmm. that they could learn, they could take with and say, hey boy, this is it. And you could fact check me all the time too because I, again, I care. I just go on the radio and just talk back and all that nonsense because it's cool and I'm trying to get two people to come mm. on the WhatsApp or to call. It makes no sense. That is not going to do anything for me. It's not going to drive anything. It's not, those things are dead. That's like a, a, a 120 character tweet that goes out <laughs> and just goes dead. I know yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like, I speak truth. There are people who I respect in Laura's, in Laura's line of work that I will always give praise. Like I, will, I reached out to a few people when I did my book, when the, in the beginning, I reached out to a few people. Laura's one. There's Abel Lucas, the next one. There are people who I respect in the business who care about what they do. You understand? Laura will take the time to actually research a piece of material and speak on that material, how you're supposed to talk about that material. Not just go and run with the story because it's hip and cool. Yeah. There's a difference between, you understand what I'm saying? And Laura is no spring chicken in the business, but she still is palatable to the first generation and Michael Tasia want to talk to Laura. Yeah. And Jimmy yeah. October want to talk to Laura. Yeah. And I have said because it and I, say, I will say it again. <laughs> Laura Dorich Phillip is the number one entertainment journalist <laughs> and Tobago. I and, appreciate the Laura and, appreciation. And regardless post, thank of you. Uh, regardless of who getting things printed or that kind of stuff, in terms of digital media and in terms of a depth of knowledge, because there's a generation that has gone before Simon Lee and Terry, Terry um Terry Joseph and these fellas and, and Peter right? Blood. And Peter Blood, right? They they kind of started what this thing about entertainment journalism. But Laura's been there for quite some time, running out. She, had, she, had, she got her early schooling too, and yeah, she coming and working to the new. Mm-hmm. I she did. And, and but but, but talk to everybody up and down the social ladder, up and down the age group um, demographic. Talk I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys. But it comes down to what TC, what you were saying. It's about caring. 
Um, you know, they have a saying that those who can't, they write. <laughs> I know they teach. I know those who can't teach. Just say teach. I know those who can't teach. I know that's what they say. Those who can't teach. <laughs> well, 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 in my case, we write. <laughs> because I, I, I love music. I love, I love entertainment. I love the industry. I'm fascinated by the music industry and how it works. So I care. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that is the reason why Nigel and I started this podcast because we used to have these conversations on the phone. Long, we just used to talk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just used and to have long, long conversations. And it's about these conversations and just being honest in this space, you know. And yeah. I believe, like for me, I'm at a point now, and Laura said something yesterday, when you hit that 40 mark and you hit over that 40 mark, a lot of things change for you. Yep. Right? Yes. Yeah, the, only you get, the only you get the braver you get. Like yes. my mother and them so mm. could say anything. We're going to yes. do them. Then then, they, after that three scores and ten, bro, anything goes. After three scores and ten, it's a biblical thing. After yes. three scores and ten, you're living God's grace. So you yeah. could say one forty want. So I'm saying that when you reach that forty mark and you head over forty, you then see things differently. I think I'm in a position right now is if you can respect my honesty. Mm-hmm. The issue is not me, mind that insecurity is within you, my friend. I also Thank said you. respect your intelligence because what I've been hearing for the last hour or so is intelligent conversation and I'm not putting water in my mouth and not spitting in my mouth wherever the line is, right? I'm hearing something that I've not heard enough among creatives and certainly in the music industry in general. People just talk a lot of flam and popularity. I always say quality beats quantity. That's just my opinion. And what I'm mm-hmm. hearing from you is a lot of quality, knowledge, and you back it up. Eight seasons of a, of a show dedicated to soccer in a place where people just tell you, you can't play soccer, you have to switch. You, you can't play soccer after a certain um, time. And, and, and again, I will even say blatantly, in the, in the past couple of years since I've been back on 96, I challenge anybody, fight me, and show me that the mood and the vibe of that place has not changed. You cannot say I've been here, as since I've been on here, there, mm. that the energy and the mood hasn't changed. We went from... Doing a switch called quite boxing sometime January to last year, well, this year at November 20th. Mm-hmm. We went all soaker. We're talking about if you listen to the, the the shows, the body of the music, how it's programmed, soaker is heavily programmed on that station around the clock. Mm-hmm. So you cannot say those things. Yes, the sins of the past might be still there trying to hunt us, but at the end of the day, there are new people there who breathe in real genuine energy and life into it. So you cannot say that. So anybody, like I told Laura something the other day. Well, yesterday is my new slogan. Don't knock on the door I used to live in. I've moved. And, and before you go any further, because we have to wrap up soon, um, you are a, 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 you've gone through a journey beyond music and you have written a book, co-authored a book on emotional mm. intelligence that really showcases your growth and where you are now in your life, um, you are so much more than, for people who just know you as Super Jiga TC, Jaiga, singing mm-hmm. soca, you are more than a soca artist, you're more than a facilitator, you are, there's so many facets of you. Um, so just talk, talk quickly or tell us quickly about the book and where we can get it. Well, the book is going to be available on all platforms on the 15th of this month. And I will continue to tell everyone that emotional intelligence is just an understanding of self. And it's mm-hmm. not IQ based. You don't need to be the most the smartest person. And I heard something in a space as I did just before this earlier on tonight, where I think they said Obama said it is I do not want to be the smartest person in the room. Because if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. In the wrong room. Mm-hmm. You think? So for me, it's about the understanding of self. It's about knowing how to regulate, how to how to handle 
conflict, how to handle relationships. It's an understanding of self. That's what emotional intelligence is. And we presented it in a way, and that's why we, we, we coined it Everyday Lessons in Emotional Intelligence, a Caribbean perspective. It's very light reading. It's in the term, terminologies of West Indian people across the diaspora. So it's relatable to everybody because the co-author is, was born in Guyana, lived in St. Lucia, but it really, really resides in the U.S. You understand? She's a doctor. So it's different. It's, it, it, it's, it's beautiful. I enjoy the journey so far. We're already wrapping the second book, which is going to be launched on April 22nd, which is 22 questions women over 40 need hmm. to ask. Sweet. The man is an Sweet. author. The man is a producer. The man is a musician. The man is and a facilitator. What else are you? And he's certified in emotional yeah, intelligence. Certified in emotional and social intelligence. Boom, shaka, shaka, boom, shaka, shaka, boom. <laughs> I got to see where you can talk all night, but you know it is in these things. I know the thing is good. I thank you guys so much for having me. And I want to and thank you for being here. More importantly. Yeah, man, and I employ these sort of conversations all the time. I think it's very needed across the board. Mm-hmm. All it starts with that it starts with a conversation. Definitely. That's all. It starts with a conversation and that's how it goes. I feel and we it, have to have Jaiga back here one day. We'll have to have Jaiga back no we, you, know, I, Laura, you and I have been talking about having a panel, right? Yes. Hopefully when this COVID thing lockdown as well, finish up as it was, a panel, about four or five people having a conversation about the music business and the music industry. And Jagger, mm-hmm. clearly, you, you, you earn a seat on that because of your yeah, knowledge you and your practical experience and this is a critical thing. So, as again, once again, thank you very much for being part of Music Matters. No problem. Academy. You all have a great time. Yeah. All right? Thank all right. you so much. No worries. Later. So, Laura, what I got to tell you? Very, very good show and amazing guest. I have to admit, I, 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 I haven't spoken to him before. But of course, I know his music and I've heard him before. But what I've heard here tonight is the kind of exceptional conversations that make this program what it is. And I'm very happy he's on, he was on board. Yeah, I mean, he's somebody who's in the industry. He's moving mm-hmm. in the industry. He's been an integral part of the industry. He mm-hmm. sings. He works in the background. He has written songs. He mm-hmm. has a relationship with the artist. He, he, a real, we got a real insider perspective. Yeah, you know, like it's it. not somebody sitting on the outside speculating and, and mm-hmm. thinking he... He knows he's an insider and he, he has his pulse on the trends. He, he's very smart. He's very, you mm-hmm. know, insightful. He, he knows what works, mm-hmm. what doesn't work. And, and he's, it's, he's tried and tested, you know? I think that so, was a critical thing. Tried and tested. Yeah, he, t- he did it. Even if it, it didn't work, at least he has been part of it and he knows the solution to make it better. And maybe yeah. just a matter of investment to continue that kind of stuff. But this has been really a great show tonight. So yes. um, looking forward to more shows as we continue our new season here at Music Matters, the Caribbean edition. But what I can tell everybody, all the listeners, as usual, you know, we're on all the platforms. Um, Engage with us. We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram, obviously. We're also on YouTube because we're going to be converting a lot of these podcasts into YouTube videos. So you you can just run them as as videos on YouTube or on on social media. Just press the button and it plays as if it's a a proper video. So, and give us your feedback. Come on, we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear what you think about all the episodes. Mm-hmm. Go back in the archives. We want you guys, we want to get your opinion. We want to get your thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we could discuss some of the suggestions, some of the mm-hmm. things that you all comment on. We could talk about it when mm-hmm. next week, you know, next week. But that's where it is. So, once again, ladies and gentlemen, we've been listening to Music Matters. The Caribbean Edition. I am Laura Dowry Phillips. And I am Nigel Campbell. Bye. Hey everyone, 
thanks so much for listening to Music Matters, the Caribbean edition. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Music Matters Caribbean. And if you want to listen to our previous podcasts and keep up with our new material, check out the website podcast.iradio.tt or listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Radio Public, and more of your favorite podcast platforms.